friends, I'm Gabby. Welcome to another episode of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by My Possible Self, the mental health and wellness app in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. In today's episode, we are going to learn all about breathwork. Now, breathwork is a term for various breathing practices in which the conscious control of breathing is said to positively influence a person's mental, emotional or physical state. Some of the more powerful benefits of breathwork include reduced stress and anxiety, increased energy, pain management, the release of toxins, lowering of blood pressure, management of PTSD, trauma and depression. Improvement of mood, improved focus, increased productivity, and even increased creativity. It almost sounds too good to be true, right? Just by breathing. Many of us are now familiar with breathwork as a term, even a buzzword, and with more and more studies coming out, backing up these benefits, I needed to know more. I learned, for example, while researching today's guest, that the diaphragm tends to be a place where we store unconscious emotional tension or grief. So by breathing in a specific way, we can start to release this emotional pain we have been hanging on to, thus balancing the body and the mind. But to really experience the benefits, like anything, breathwork needs to become a habit. And it takes practice. And I think that's where many of us are unsure where to start and how to start. So that's where Jamie Clements comes in, one of the UK's most sought after breathwork gurus. Well, he's gonna take it from here. Ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, Jamie Clements. You're a leading breathwork coach and founder of The Breath Space, which offers an accessible way to experience breathwork classes in London and beyond to improve physical, emotional and mental health. Yes. Thank you for having me, Gabby. It's good to, good to be here. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation and I want to keep it quite simple for people that are new to breathwork so I can think of no better person to, to guide us through all this stuff. And I'm going to jump straight in. We know that everybody breathes. We'd be a bit screwed if we didn't. So what's the difference between breathing and breathwork? It's the question. I think I think it's it's the perfect place to start. And it's it's been interesting just to sort of, I guess, take a, a step back from that question to see, you know, this word breathwork has come very much from no awareness, you know, five, six years ago, sometimes even shorter time frames for a lot of people. And maybe for some people listening to this going, it's the first time I'm hearing the term, mm -hmm. to now where we see breathwork and these breathing practices and this sort of awareness of breathing it's kind of really come into the the wellness space and just like the mainstream space. And so I think it is really important with that for us to kind of take it back to basics and get, get a grip on like, what actually is it? And the reason that I think that's important is because the, the breadth of understanding has really grown and it's become an, a little bit vague as well. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. um, so part of my work is very much around accessibility and helping people understand what it is. Um, and so to answer the actual question, <laughs> um, <laughs> breathwork from my perspective describes any way that we can use our breath consciously to shift our state physically, mentally, or emotionally. So really 
the whole spectrum. I like to talk about full spectrum breathwork of like from how we breathe day to day, moment to moment, while we're sat here speaking to each other, while you're at your desk working, mm -hmm. during rest, during exercise, during sleep, sort of this basic day-to-day -day breathing like how are you actually breathing because we can actually breathe in ways that are not optimal for our health yeah um just while we're sat here kind of doing our thing naturally through to then sort of simple breathing exercises that you can use day-to-day -day in any situation whether you want to feel more relaxed whether you want help to sleep whether you want more energy more focus there's so many different ways that you can consciously use your breath and then sort of at the far end of the spectrum we have the more I'd say more spiritually led practices mm. that are a little bit more about emotional release, about introspection, in some cases about trauma healing. Mm -hmm. um, and so you kind of got a very broad spectrum of like, wow, it is, it is just breathing. Yeah. It is this thing that we can do completely unconsciously, but it also has so many different various nuanced ways that we can use it. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of trying to, and that's why I'm glad we're sort of starting at the beginning. It's like trying to break that down for people to say, okay, you've signed up to a breathwork session, but do you know what to expect? Do you know what you're walking into? And sort of what kind of breathwork are you showing up for? And actually even interested in in the first place. Um, so yeah, hopefully that kind of breaks it down a little bit. It does. And I want to take that thread and run with it and go into the emotional, the physical, the mental, what that means. But when somebody comes to you, to do breath work, they've never done it before. What are the reasons that they are drawn to giving it a go in the first instance? It does vary. I think it's, you know, everybody's different. However, I'd say, you know, my one-to-one my -one practice is, is fully booked at the moment. And I'd say 80 plus percent of the people that come through my, my sort of practice doors are struggling with stress and anxiety. I think that tends to be kind of the undercurrent for, for everyone at the moment. There yeah. are really high levels of stress and anxiety, definitely a bit of an emotional hangover from the COVID era and sort of mm. beyond and everything that was going on before that as well. But just this change of how we live our lives and the cumulative stress of that on an individual scale and on a wider scale. So that's definitely a big one. I then also just have people sort of who are curious, but then also I'd say people who are looking to work through specific either kind of internal blocks or emotional issues that keep coming up time and time again for them, which is where we get into sort of the more, I guess, therapeutic end of the breathwork spectrum. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say kind of the the, the classic cases is, is stress and anxiety for sure. Mm. So you cover the whole 360 experience. Okay, so I'm going to backtrack now. Breathwork, and I'm, I've pulled this off from online, breathwork mm. supports so many of the challenges everybody experiences, thus reducing stress, like you mentioned, creating feelings of openness, love, peace, gratitude, clarity, communication, and connection. Breathwork also helps release trauma or mental, physical, and emotional blocks, as well as anxiety, depression, fear, grief, and anger. So this makes it a really powerful tool, which we can all access. So breaking it down to understand it a bit further into the categories of breathwork for well-being, breathwork for mental health, breathwork for physical health, and breathwork for emotional health. Can we start with well-being? How does breathwork help our general state of wellness? Mm, yeah, I think um, 
in a number of ways and and i'll try and sort of be quite specific in in certain areas so at the crux of a lot of the benefits of breathwork is our nervous system so i always come back to this sort of mantra that we experience our lives through the lens of our nervous system and what i mean by that is that if your nervous system uh, is triggered into a state of kind of stimulation activation fight flight then the world around you will feel dangerous mm-hmm. vice versa if your nervous system is calm and balanced and regulated then the world around you will feel more calm even if nothing externally has changed and so our breath has a unique ability to act almost like this remote control into our nervous system to change where you sit within that spectrum of stress and relaxation and so for our general well-being it's really about giving yourself this very accessible as we've mentioned tool and powerful tool that can actually directly influence your nervous system state and your nervous system is like this mind body connection that can influence both the physical and the mental and so for your overall well-being this ability to actually manage your state through a tool that is very simple can be extremely effective on a practical level but also very empowering in the sense that it gives you back a level of autonomy and sort of the ability to respond to how you feel um just through kind of manipulating managing changing how you breathe at a conscious mm-hmm. level wow so to have that state of maybe being less reactive um and in that place that you just very eloquently described would you have to do it every day or would you have to do it for a certain amount of time every day so i think for this i guess part of the conversation i, I think we're referring to these simple breathing exercises that we can all do in the moment and kind of as part of a daily practice, which I think is where we get a lot of sort of our benefits day to day for general well-being. I'd say these practices can fall into sort of two camps. So you've got your um, preventative and you've got your reactive. So I'd say, you know, if you find yourself feeling really, really anxious about whatever it might be, then there are tools that you can use in that moment to calm yourself and actually dampen the intensity of that anxiety, which is more reactive. And then from a sort of daily routine perspective, there are certain techniques and tools that you can use that will actually proactively and preventatively regulate your nervous system. So if you think that if you're chronically stressed, you're going to be in this place of activation and stimulation more often than not. And that's Mm -hmm. why we experience stress. So what can we do day to day on a consistent level to bring you back to a better place of balance in any given moment? Because if you're in that place of balance to begin with, then stress actually from an external perspective impacts you less intensely. And so it's how can we use both of those really? We're not denying that stress is going to occur in life, right? I think it's just a fact of life, but how can you equip yourself equip your nervous system to be prepared for that and that could be those preventative measures but also sometimes something really stressful just happens and what can you use in the moment to help yourself as well Well, it's like having a suit of armor it's yeah the the word that always comes up with clients and also practitioners is is a toolkit you just Mm. go okay i can understand what's happening right now how it's like how am i feeling right now 
how am I breathing right now? And how can I change my breathing to achieve the desired state that I want? To, how do I want to feel? And how can I use my breath to get there? And you can sort of, yeah, pull items and exercises from your toolkit and you can help yourself move towards that desired state. So interesting. Okay, let's um, go into the next category, if you will, and that's mental health. And, you know, you've mentioned anxiety, and I think moderate depression, breathing can help with as well. Yeah, in terms of that sort of mental wellness, if you will, or mental Mm. health, how does breathwork help? I guess to sort of distinguish it from what we've just talked about, I think Mm. it might be potentially helpful to talk to how it helped me. Um, So I actually came to sort of teach breathwork through my own experiences with pretty severe anxiety, with panic attacks and with depression. And, you know, I have always been a big advocate of therapy. I meditate. I'm very active. I kind of do all the things that someone would tell you to do. Mm. Um, But breathwork was the, the biggest factor in moving me through a lot of those challenges that I was facing. And the role of breathwork within that, again, sort of splits quite neatly into into two realms. So the day-to-day practices that we've talked about were pretty profound for my anxiety because I was able to actually mitigate the intensity of anxiety that I was experiencing. I was able to help myself move through panic attacks more easily. Um, And I was really able to sort of get a handle and get a grip on my anxiety and I really loved, you know, I think for anybody who's experienced any level of anxiety, you can relate to this feeling of being a passenger to your own mind. You're sort of just, you know, Mm -hmm. something happens and before you know it, you're having a panic attack and it's just, you've gone down the path and it's happened. Breath and breath work gave me, I always like to think about the word responsibility as the ability to respond. And it gave me a level of responsibility that I hadn't had for a very long time. So I went from feeling extremely passive to triggers and thoughts to actually feeling a lot more in control and almost back in the driver's seat of my own mind through these simple practices that were able to help me manage the severity of my anxiety. For sort of depression, from my own personal experience, I would pin that more to some of these more therapeutic, deeper, spiritually led practices that you can find within the breathwork space. So, you can have certain experiences through breathwork that allow you to um, access altered states of consciousness. So we often think of altered states of consciousness as something associated with, you know, psychedelics and plant medicine and sort of things that are either illegal or way out there. But through breath, you can actually access similar states of of consciousness. And I remember in one specific session uh, a few years ago, probably about three and a half years ago now, I experienced... um, joy and I experienced sort of almost euphoria and happiness in that session that I hadn't felt since I was a child like I couldn't remember ever feeling that happy and for someone who experienced depression Mm. that was a bit of a revelation I was like oh happiness actually exists and so it was really just like pulling back the curtain opening my eyes to how I could feel and it was a reminder more than anything and I think quite often those kind of slightly altered state experiences give us that ability to access parts of ourselves access parts of our mind that we can't access at that time through normal sort of day-to-day consciousness so Mm. um it was sort of almost like a two-pronged approach of like these very practical pragmatic daily consistent habits and practices and then these more standalone um more intense in a lot of ways 
um, experiences that were able to sort of lift me beyond what I was going through at that time. Getting high on your own supply, as exactly. they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, we could do a whole other podcast on, on why, I, why I feel that phrase is slightly problematic. But I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. noted. All right, well, let's move on to emotional health and how um, breathwork can help us navigate through perhaps grief, heartbreak, which I suppose is grief. Mm. You know, choose your own adventure there. For sure. Yeah, I think um, this again, really, I think we've probably covered to to enough of an mm-hmm. extent those sort of day to day practices. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. we can, I'm sure we can dive in sort of specific practices, but um, for emotional healing and emotional health, I, I would always come back to those deeper modalities of breathwork where we're tapping into these slightly altered states. The altered state of consciousness experience that you can have with breathwork is, is one of the the big benefits. What I think is one of the other really significant benefits of that kind of experience is, and this is all sort of emerging in the research, but there's a general consensus that when we do this kind of breath work, we actually allow ourselves to clear and process emotional energy that is stored in our nervous system. So if we, as humans, we have this sort of unique ability because we're very intelligent to stop ourselves from fully expressing an emotion because you know we don't want to sob because someone will judge us we don't want to Mm -hmm. shout and be angry because someone will judge us it's usually Mm -hmm. about judgment Mm -hmm. of self or from other people um and when we do that we actually we don't complete that emotional expression we don't complete that stress cycle and when we do that that if we think about emotions as energy in motion that energy gets stored in our nervous system and it almost builds up this layer of gunk and mm. horribleness on it's not te- technical terms but um <laughs> it gets stuck in the nervous system and that can actually turn into inflammation it can turn into physical ailments but also mental and emotional issues so we give ourselves the opportunity almost to scrub some of that gunk away when we do certain styles of breath work which can really alleviate a lot of the emotional uh issues that people might be experiencing and so that's where it can be really profound for our emotional health as well as those other areas that we've touched upon. Mm. Well, then finally, in terms of helping us with our physical health, and again, you've actually, a lot of this, it's all very interlinked, isn't it? But um, I think about using the breath during labor for a female. I read somewhere that breath work can help with people that suffer from asthma. I'd I'd love to know what you think there. Um, So how does, yeah, breath work help physically yeah so um this is a really interesting realm where there's actually a lot more kind of evidence-based research there's kind of a real strong weight of research looking at breath on a physical level because it's easier to easier to study um so you know we can use the breath again through calming the nervous system to mitigate intensity of things like physical pain the probably the most interesting area with or from my perspective the most interesting area within the physical side of things is um, breath work in relation to exercise. Um, so we can actually delay our onset of breathlessness. So if you think of, I've definitely had times in my life where I've walked up a flight of stairs and feeling felt mm-hmm. very out of breath for no real reason. And that actually can often come down, not so much to physical fitness, but actually to uh, our body's natural ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. So oh, wow. if, if we were to if we were to hold up if we were both to hold our breath right now which we're not going to do um 
carbon dioxide would start to rise in our blood and in us in our system and that feeling of needing to breathe the urge to breathe what people in the breathwork space refer to as air hunger comes from rising co2 we always think that it's because we need more oxygen but it's actually because we need to get rid of carbon dioxide and we're all unique in our ability to tolerate how much CO2 is in our system before we need to take that next breath, which is what actually gives the variance in respiratory rate, how many breaths you take per minute. Um, but it also, basically, if you are very sensitive to rising levels of CO2, you'll be prompted and triggered to breathe more heavily at lower levels of intensity of exercise. So someone might feel like they're out on a walk and they need to breathe a lot. Someone might be conversely on a run and be able to breathe through their nose, breathe really gently, really slowly. Um, and that it really primarily in a lot of ways comes down to their ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. And you can actually train yourself to tolerate high levels of CO2. You can actually boost your own CO2 tolerance so that you can hold your breath for longer. This is a, a lot what um, a lot of what free divers do. So free divers go down, no equipment, and they'll be down underwater on a single breath for five to 15 minutes. I think the, um, the, the world record is something like 24 minutes now, I think, on a single breath. Oh and they have, trained, they have trained themselves to tolerate higher levels of CO2. And we can all do that a little bit to actually boost, um, in a lot of ways, our, our physical performance. The other the final thing I'll say, which kind of links back to what we discussed before, is... Um, there are studies that have started showing there's a link between co2 tolerance and anxiety as well so mm. if you think when you hold your breath for a long time you start to get a bit of a feeling of panic yeah. and if you're very very sensitive to co2 in your system that feeling of panic and anxiety is going to happen pretty quickly and so if you're very sensitive to co2 there's a there's theories and hypotheses and studies coming through that show that you're actually more likely to experience anxiety. And that's just a physiological phenomenon. So again, if you can train yourself in a way to tolerate higher levels of CO2, then you might actually give yourself a better chance with anxiety as well. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Is breath work for everyone? Is there anyone that can't or shouldn't do breath work? The, the answer is yes, it's for everyone, but... Um, so we can all breathe as we started with, um, there are certain, um, kind of disclaimers and contraindications to, to sort of be aware of. So when it comes to slow, calming, what we call like down regulating breathing, where you're looking to just relax the nervous system, relax the body and relax the mind that from from my perspective is for everybody um there are certain exercises that are more about stimulating the nervous system kind of energizing breath practices those are great but there are always kind of caveats around people with heart conditions with nervous system conditions with glaucoma sometimes with pregnancy um so that the advice is always speak to a doctor before engaging with any more active breathing practices and the same really to be said about the deeper sort of therapeutic healing modalities of breath work. They, again, tend to be quite stimulating for the nervous system. So if you do have pre-existing medical conditions, it's always worth just checking with the practitioner, but also checking with um, a doctor as well. And for anybody pregnant, never do a long breath hold ever. 
um, that's just kind of a catch-all to, to make sure everybody stays safe. Um, right. But broadly speaking, you know, I've, I've actually worked with, you know, people with heart conditions and they've been totally fine with certain techniques that typically we might advise against. Um, so it's really case by case, but on, in the, the vast majority, breathwork is broadly speaking for everybody. It still blows my mind that, you know, taking a breath in whichever way, shape or form can do so many different things to our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's wild. Like the more the more I go into it, the more I uncover myself and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> like this thing that it's. And this is the funny thing is that it's so simple that we almost discount it. Yeah. But once you start to understand it and you start to feel it, I think that's the beautiful thing about breathwork is once you've tried it and felt it, you can't really deny it because it is like it's a very visceral, physical sensation. I was the biggest skeptic around when I first started. It took me ages to get dragged into a breathwork class. And here I am now sort of never mm. shut up about leading it, the so. way. So do you when you're like doing a class or leading a session or whatever, do you do you sometimes like theme them, be like, okay, I'm going to do a one on getting you high in your own supply. Or I'm going to do one on tackling grief or are there, well, obviously they are because that's what you do. There's different mm. ways of breathing to combat different challenges, stresses, whatever. For sure. Yeah, I think um, every practitioner will be be slightly different. I think, you know, if I am working let's say I'm working with someone one-to-one and my work and my approach will always be to say, okay, you're, you're dealing with chronic stress and anxiety, but you're also talking to me about uh, past trauma. There are ways in which you can work with both. So there are specific techniques that I will sort of prescribe for stress and anxiety. And then we'll also look at things that can help with, with trauma from a session perspective. Most of my group sessions, which is sort of my main area of focus at the moment, are focused around the more therapeutic end of the spectrum. And my belief with sessions like that is actually the less prescriptive you can be with theming and direction, the better, mm. uh, because the breath really is the vehicle or the invitation to see what's going on underneath. And I think the purest way for someone to get what they need from a session, they might come with a really clear intention, but I actually think often it's a quote from a poem that my friend wrote that you, you don't get what you want you get what you need and I think as a practitioner if you're saying you know this is breathwork for x or this is breathwork for y you're steering it too much for them I think it's actually you're actually better to just create a space for people to br breathe in this certain way that allows them to open up to whatever experience is sitting under the surface mm -hmm. um that being said, you know, when I work with companies, when I work with with businesses, especially and brands, I'll often do a slightly kind of more practical session that is right, we're going to look at breathwork for stress, we're going to look mm -hmm. at breathwork for anxiety. So you do have the potential to kind of tailor it. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm also quite a big believer in sort of leaving it open to, to see what's sitting under the surface. Mm. Well, uh, speaking of stress, when I was doing more Googling, I found, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, it was 10 breathing techniques for stress relief and more. These 10 different ways of breathing, I just wondered if you might sort of help me out and like basically summarize in a sentence or two what, what they mean. Pursed lip breathing. Uh, this is where it gets interesting because things end up showing up with all kinds of different names. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine 
Um, what they mean by that is probably a nice, slow, gentle breath in through the nose and then exhaling through pursed lips. So kind mm. of really nice, slow inhale and a very, very slow, relaxed exhale out of the mouth through pursed lips. The reason for that being um, when we make our exhale longer than our inhale, we move ourselves more deeply into a relaxed state. Um, mm. So the pursed lips just allows the breath on the out breath to be longer than the ah, in breath. Okay. Diaphragmatic breathing. Yeah. So diaphragmatic breathing is, I guess, almost less a technique, more a principle that underpins a lot of uh, stress relieving and just healthy functional breathing. So it's about using your diaphragm. So a lot of us breathe quite shallow into the chest and we're not yeah. using the full the full belly and the diaphragm um, and so diaphragmatic breathing is just encouraging people to breathe deeply and fully which naturally slows the breath and when we breathe more deeply again we activate that relaxation response in the nervous system hmm. lion's breath lion's breath uh that's is that a yoga thing do they do it yes. in yoga yeah yeah so that is a big deep full breath in through the nose and kind of a, a roar without the sound so it's like tongue out and a big sort of yeah. and yeah that's I, I don't use that one a huge amount personally in in my practices but um yeah I I've seen it used a lot and it's quite like a, just a relieving releasing kind of sigh it's sort of just a more active sigh yeah yeah like you said about getting out the gunk I think a bit with that one yeah Alternate nostril breathing. I've noticed that in some yoga as well. Yeah, so this is, is drawn from pranayama, which is yogic um, breath control practices. I, believe, I think the Sanskrit name, and I might mispronounce this, which I'm always conscious of, but I believe it's called Nadi Shodhana, um, which is alternate nostril breathing. Again, the main principle of a lot of these techniques is about slowing our breathing down. There are also studies that are emerging but i don't think particularly concrete about how breathing through alternate alternate nostrils um activates different parts of our brain sort of different hemispheres of the brain right. um but I, i'm not willing to hang my hat on that um, <laughs> okay but yeah i think a lot of these are about slower steadier calmer breathing which just has a knock-on effect in terms of the nervous system okay i'm going to couple these together equal sure. breathing and resonant or coherent breathing okay yeah yeah i, I know these ones um so <laughs> equal breathing i believe i would refer to as ratio breathing which is just a, an equal inhale to exhale and so, ah, so it would be okay. either in for two out for two in for three out for three in for four out for four Got so it. a balanced sort of and it's all about regulating the nervous system um some people will find that breathing in for three and out for three is comfortable. Some people will find breathing in for five and out for five quite difficult. So it's about finding a comfortable, but mm. just balanced inhale to exhale um, ratio. Coherent breathing or resonant breathing is pretty much the, I'd say my most recommended technique um, from really? a daily practice perspective. And so what, what does it mean? It's a form of even breathing or kind of equal breathing or ratio breathing. So um, coherent breathing in its purest form is supposed to be a five and a half second inhale and a five and a half second exhale. It's very um, specific. <laughs> yeah. So most people either go for five or they go for six. Right. Um, and that will be, you know, 
as effective, if not, you know, to the letter of the law exactly. But the average respiratory rate, so number of breaths per minute that an adult will take is somewhere between 12 and 20. When you breathe at five and a half seconds, inhale and exhale, then you're moving towards a, what would that be? So 11 seconds per breath. So roughly six, five and a half, six breaths per minute. And so when you do that, you're basically, you're halving even the healthiest average respiratory rate at rest. And so when you do that, you're significantly reducing the number of breaths you're taking, the speed of the breath, the depth of the breath. And so it's just really the slower, the better is again, kind of the principle that underpins all of this. Um, mm. And there was a, there was a study, um, a lot of these studies are done on mice um, and whatever people's beliefs, beliefs on animal studies. Um, they found that in mice over 30 days, if they, they basically, I was about to say that they told the mice, but they didn't tell the <laughs> mice. They basically manipulated the breathing centers in the brains of the mice to get them to breathe significantly more slowly than they do normally. And when they engaged in 20 minutes of slow breathing per day for 20 days, 30 mm. days, sorry, um, there was a significant reduction in activity of the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain. Um, wow. So like a very, very physiological response and, and correlation and between slower breathing and amygdala activity. So if we wanted to make like the mice, how much time in a day could we practice this for to get to grips with our levels of like fear? So my sort of my starting point for everybody um, and sort of a challenge I set everybody is um, 10 minutes a day of coherent breathing. Oh. Um, if, if you can do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, even better. But I, I know when it comes to, you know, new habits, consistency, people find it challenging. I find it challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you can commit to doing 10 minutes a day, coherent breathing, so in for five and out for five, every single day, mm. I would expect people to see kind of a genuine shift within a few weeks um, mm. in terms of overall level of stress, reactivity, anxiety, and things like that. Wow, that's awesome. Just a few more, breath focus technique. Breath focus technique, I'm gonna hazard a, an educated <laughs> guess that um, what they're talking about here is less about changing your breath and more about observing the breath. So more of a meditative technique where you're actually observing your breathing. This can benefit in a couple of different ways. It's bringing your awareness and your attention from anything else that might be going on. So bringing yeah. you away from anything that might be causing discomfort. And also you're building this sort of meditative focus muscle in your brain where you're focused on your breath. Your mind will naturally wander. You bring yourself back to your breath. And you just repeat that practice, um, which is really kind of one of the most simple forms of meditation. I wondered why mindful breathing wasn't on this list, but I guess that's, mm. you're right, that's probably what they're getting at. Sitali breath? It's, it sounds like it might be yoga related again, but... I, be I believe it's another pranayama practice, yeah. Yeah. Okay, deep breathing, I think, does what it says on the tin. And then the last one is humming bee breath. What the yes. heck's that? Yeah, so um, humming in general and really any use of the vocal cords 
um, stimulates our vagus nerve, which is responsible for that relaxation part of our nervous system. So if right. we can take any steps to stimulate the vagus nerve, um, then we're going to feel more calm. Humming has been seen to kind of, it's really humming, chanting, singing, really any sort of Again, it's slow and it's mm. elongated on the exhale, um, but that vibrational quality that sound has stimulates the vagus nerve um, and creates that relaxation response. And would that be the same to be said about ocean breathing as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it would. Yeah. So as we're sort of bringing this conversation to a close, for the novice like myself, where is the best place to start? Is, is 10 minutes... 10 minutes sounds like nothing, but when you're just breathing, that can, mm. I imagine, be quite challenging. I know you said coherent breath work is the, the best place to start in for yeah. five, two, six seconds, out for five, two, six seconds. Yeah, I think um, I'm a huge advocate of, of kind of simplicity and consistency, especially if you're just getting started. You know, I I have to avoid the temptation to say, you know, do this but if you feel anxious do this and then do this and it's like let's start let's start simple and then the thing that i always encourage i guess around that i'd say you know 10 minutes a day of coherent breathing make it a bit of a non-negotiable as part of a daily practice but also within that i think simply by you know us having this conversation people listening to this conversation people naturally start to become more aware of their breathing. They start to notice mm. it a little bit more. And I, I really encourage everyone to get familiar with your own breath and see what works for you. That's how you build an effective toolkit is to, yes, take on board the, the professional advice, but mm -hmm. also we're all unique. Our breaths all look and feel slightly different. And so how an exercise affects you might be different to how it affects me and to somebody mm -hmm. else. And so learning a little bit more about your own breath and seeing what feels good and seeing what feels bad and a little bit of trial and error as well. Um, but as a starting point, yeah, easy, easy place to begin. Simplicity, consistency, coherent breathing, mm -hmm. 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, if you've got the time. Um, but making it a daily practice, I think we often underestimate the, how profound a consistent and a genuinely consistent practice can be. Um, mm. I think we, we want magic, we want magic bullets and unfortunately they don't exist. Um, so it's about that kind of consistency over time, which then leads to big changes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the last thing I usually do with a guest is ask everyone to set us some simple homework based on the theme of the episode that can help us on our journey to living a happier life. I think you might have already answered it. It sounds like it's the 10 minutes a day coherent breathing. Yeah. If I had one wish, it would be that everybody on earth did that. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with, stick with that final wow. answer. It's that transformational. So what, so what we, what could we expect to do if we did it, Jamie, for like three weeks, mm. 10 minutes a day in three weeks. And I know everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody is different and everybody's different. My, What's the motivation? What could we, my, my yeah. hope, my hope would be that if you were genuinely able, and I think this is the first hurdle for, for a lot of people is if you can do this every day for three weeks, mm -hmm. that in itself is a good thing. Um, just yeah. actually sticking to a new habit, um, because we all know how difficult that can be on a more sort of, you know, results. We like results. Um, my hope would be that people would 
experience a level of stillness and a deeper sense of calm that feeds throughout their life. So it's less sort of, this is coming back to what we talked about earlier in terms of these preventative, this is a preventative, um, not measure, but preventative technique that is actually regulating your nervous system to a healthier, calmer baseline. And if you're coming at life from a healthier and calmer baseline, then your level of reactivity is lower. Your level of general stress is lower. Your sleep is probably better. There's so many subtle ways that your nervous system influences and impacts your life that we're unaware of. Um, and so if you can find a consistent nervous system regulation practice, breath being one great um, way to do that, then it really does build a very solid foundation from which to live your life and experience your life from a, a kind of healthier, happier, more relaxed baseline. Um, so that would be my, yeah. my hope, not my guarantee. Goals. I, yeah, that would be, that would be what I would hope for people. And what have you got to lose? Well, absolutely. And if you need maybe a bit of incentivation every day, then uh, you've got a course coming up and, you know, going back to the three week mark, it's 21 days, right? Where, you are going to release a video every day for 21 days. That's, that's, um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more, a bit more about that? It's, it's not live, right? It's a video that lands every day in your inbox. That's right. Yeah. So I, I've wanted to do an online course for a very, very long time because um, I, I want to help as many people as I can. And I, I'm only one person. And so this felt like a really good, good way to do that. And as I said at the top, like I want, people everyone and anyone to feel like they can engage with breath work and so i created the 21 day course which actually the pre-sale went live yesterday um, and is running for pretty much all of september um and then it mm -hmm. sort of drops officially on the 3rd of october um but i created the course in four parts so the first sort of six days is an introduction to the basics and fundamentals of breath work some of the things that we've we've spoken about in terms of how are you breathing day to day, moment to moment? And what can you do to address any possible breathing dysfunctions? Um, mm -hmm. Then the second part is all about um, what I've called the return to calm. So calming practices, great practices for stress, anxiety, um, everything like that. Third part is about uh, energizing practices and resilience building practices. And then the fourth and final part uh, is a little introduction to the more therapeutic end of the spectrum with breath work. So I wanted it to nice. really be something for everyone in the sense that if you are completely new to breath work, then it's a great place to start. But even if you've done quite a lot of breath work, and you just want to go a little bit deeper into it, then it's also going to help those people um, because it's kind of got a, a decent level of information in there as well as the practical elements. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to, to share it with people because it, it feels like a very true and sort of pure representation of, of the full spectrum of my work and sort of all of the all of the realms that that I like to focus on. And so hopefully, yeah, hopefully it reaches the right people. So that's going to be a great reminder as well. If you know, if you get a video a day, do you get to keep the videos forever, or is it one of those things where they disappear after like two weeks? Yeah. So the the, <laughs> the format question is a is a good one. The course goes live on the third of October, and basically, if you sign up in the presale, you will get the first video on the third of October, and you'll get the second video the next day, the third, and it will come through into your inbox for twenty one days. 
there is access to the course for 100 days. And so you could mm -hmm. do it 21 days back to back, which is my intention for people is like, you can really see the benefits of this if you do it every day. However, mm -hmm. I know that sometimes life gets in the way. So I wanted people to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to miss a day or two to come back a day or two. And also, you know, if you do do it 21 days in a row, then go back and do it I again or say, start it all go over to, again, go to yeah. the ones that really resonated with you because a big part of and part of the course is actually teaching people how to build their own daily practice so it's sort of saying i'm going to help you build that toolkit by giving you a bunch of techniques that you can try allow you to understand your own breath and how how your breath feels and works and then also help you build that daily practice so um, yeah, really trying to kind of give people that ability to help themselves through all of these different techniques that are out there. Amazing. And it's thebreathspace.co.uk is the place to find out more and to sign up. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. And then if people want to find you on social media, you're at the underscore breath underscore space. Yes. I'm waiting to get my hands on the one without the underscores, but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that is Hilarious. that is right. Most <laughs> most of my activity really is is through Instagram and the website. So um, yeah, mm. if people want to reach out, uh, ask questions, or just find out more, then that's the the best place to do it. Mm. Thank you. This has been so interesting, Jamie. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm going to sign up for this course. <laughs> Brilliant. Isn't he fantastic? It's Gabby back with you. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of the Happier Life Project. Now, if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you a penny. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you found this episode helpful and to find and follow us on social media. We are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care and we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.